Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Buddhist Biohacker. My name is Lisa Gunshore, and I am your host and demystification guide, as always, and I'm coming to you from Laramie, Wyoming. I am road tripping to Salt Lake City to see our lovely Michelle Snelling and Mary Lydia Ryan for a very special event tomorrow night, so I'm pretty excited about that. Everybody who's joining in the live would love to hear where you're from. Um, and we are here with my very favorite yogi and teacher, Satyam. Welcome back, Satyam. Oh, great to be here. Great to see you, Lisa, and great to see you on the road. Yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. And I'm really excited about our topic today. I've been looking forward to this for the last few weeks um, because our topic is I am a yoga teacher. Now what? And I think that is like... I, there's thousands of people that can relate to this because we all go through the yoga teacher training. I've been there too. And then you're like, well, now what do I do? And what am I supposed to do with yoga? How do I develop it? There's so many different places you can go with your education and your lifestyle. Um, so yeah. So where do you want to start? I love this topic. And for everybody in the live, tell us if you are a yoga teacher, because I'd love to hear that too. All right. Um, well, great to be back here. And yeah, this is a topic I thought it's so dynamic and has different uh, aspects to it. And I think it's an, a needed niche, um, both uh, on collectively and across the contemporary yoga movement. Of what do we do? How does it work? There's not a real playbook for it. And maybe the, the existing playbook maybe is uh, based on... Um, uh, perhaps uh, protocols that are applied to other professions and not to the field of yoga. Um, it's very easy since there's no written script for uh, yoga. And um, first off, if you are a teacher or you are a new teacher, welcome, congratulations. It's a great field. It's a great field of life. I won't say it's a great field of business, and I, I would say that it isn't even a field of business. But um, but in terms of life development and and um, they're maximizing your potential on this planet. It's it's a great it's a great start. And um, one of the things I, I remember when I was a kid, my uh, I, my 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 father was an attorney, and he said that he went to law school, and when he finished law school, he had no idea how to be a lawyer. And and um, and I I think that's that to some degree that's true with a lot of the professions, but. Um, Yoga and yoga and what it is conceived to be is a very vast and dramatic topic and, and life endeavor and dedication and commitment. And to think that in 200 hours, one is going to be that based on 200 hours of training, you know, that's, you know, one should think of that initial training period, whatever it is, what 200 hours, 500 hours, no amount of hours is going to, that someone else provides to you is going to make you you know, wholly qualified in every aspect of yoga. Think of it as a stepping stone in your growth, in your progress, in your spiritual journey, in your development as a human being. And uh, come into it with an open mind that, okay, I need to spring forward now. This is my base in which to spring forward. And when seen in that way, uh, the any type of yoga teacher training is a great way to... Um, to launch yourself forward into um, into your career or into your next phase, I should say. And I, I really tried to break up today's talk in 
um, in a variety of things. One is pitfalls, one is um, strengths, and one is outcomes. And they kind of triangulate and mix and merge. I was hoping to find three very clean pieces, but they 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 mix and merge quite a bit. Um, and uh, um, I think one one major question is now that you became a teacher, or now that you've been practicing for a while, or now that you've gained a little bit of confidence in the field then what direction do we take it? Do we think, okay, let me now, you know, I've got my, I've got my, I've learned some of the lingo, I've learned some of the skill set. Now let me bend it according to who I am. There's a, and there was an, there's an urge to do that. And I think that there's a very positive, positive aspect to doing that. Or should we say, let me let go of everything else I've learned and let me submerge myself into this fully and see where it takes me. Mm. And I'll give up, I'll give up my shot. My, mine is to go in the second route, let go of everything and jump in and see what happens. You know, find out the best teachers, learn everything you can and always think what is the next thing I can incorporate into my life. But I think that there's a happy medium between the two um that works extremely well in in today's world um and so one of the um one of the uh things i'd like to say is that um some of the pitfalls the easy easy pitfalls that people come into is uh relayed with expectation uh becoming a teacher um, that, that should not be looked upon as a way to enhance your prestige or enhance your standing or have it be one more, um, one more uh, skill set to add to your resume per se. But, and I, I think what really what's wonderful about yoga is that I think what I see is a lot of people come into it, they want it, they come into it from a holistic human development perspective, whether it be something on the physical plane like weight loss and maybe overcoming allergies or something, or in the mental plane to de-stress, or a spiritual plane to really endeavor, what is it behind? How do I connect unit mind with something greater? And I think people come into it with some very, very wonderful and, um, and sincere and authentic ideas of how they can transform themselves. Mm -hmm. And I would say, don't lose that spark. That spark that got you into it, hold on to that spark and ride it out as if you're water skiing and you just hold on to that bar and ride with it. And the things that can creep in are the typical things that can creep in anytime. Overconfidence, ego, um, maybe bring in too much. Let's just come up with a common thing. For instance, music. I'm not musically inclined. I wish I were. But I would say if like if you're a new teacher and you've got prior skill sets, bring them in. Bring them into the field of yoga, but don't bring it in in a way where it will undermine the tenets of yoga. And I think music's a wonderful way because music has a very, um, it's a very sentient pursuit and it adds, it's a big aspect of a spiritual endeavor in terms of 
kirtan and chanting and things. So I would say whether you're a vocalist or if you have a music background, bring that into your yoga teaching if you're a new teacher or if you're an old teacher and you haven't brought it in. Bring it in. During Shavasana, you can do just even some gentle humming or a guitar, guitar string. You don't have to be a pro. You want to be good enough that if one of the students is in the class can recognize that you're not really, you know, you have to have some musical insight. Otherwise I would do it too, but I, I really don't have that. Um, but so it needs some basic, uh, but then that's where you can really bring in and say um, that, uh, that you bring something more to the field to enhance and it'll make your class dynamic and it'll bring something in. But you don't want to be going in and start doing Elvis Presley tunes or even Beatles songs even. They may be sending songs, but those Beatles songs in that whole field of rock and roll, either the lyrics go against the yogic ideal or they may bring in memories for the students of past things. It may be something they went on to a date with someone who they had a bad relationship with, who knows what. But I would say be very careful with what, like whatever skill set you bring in. Or if you're a caterer and you'd like to share food and drink with folks, um, don't turn it into a wine tasting competition after the class. You know, that um, what you bring in, be authentic, bring yourself to the class, but don't bring in things that will uh, either go against um the tenets of yoga or might bring in um certain pseudoculture things that that uh that that we could do better where we can do better so take your music and then find out how that music can really become a beautiful piece within the yoga tradition or spiritual tradition of of using the music to sentient to guide the mind towards a sweet plane and i think you'll find that maybe you'll add a new dimension to your musical pursuit or so be really broad-minded in what skill set you'd like to bring in um, to the yoga, um, to to your yoga teaching. So that that's one thing. Mm -hmm. Well, um, and I think it's you know it, it's a good point about bringing in like where we come from because I think when you go through the yoga teacher training and you're learning the spiritual aspects and the physical aspects, you kind of I think that most of the 200 hour trainings take you through like the, all the different aspects of yoga, but then you, who you are is going to help guide you in which aspect you really want to focus on. Because there's, we had a teacher who her whole, all she does is teach Sanskrit, you know, that's all she does. That's all she does. And then there's other people who just do Ayurveda and then there's people who just do Vinyasa. And so bringing your personality into which part of yoga, like what you're talking about with the music is important because of, if you're bringing art into it or you're bringing, you know, other things into it, it's important to do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And to do it in a, in a very conscious and uh, thoughtful manner. And then there's the other thing that um, there is so much more to yoga than is taught in your 200 or 500 hour training. I mean, people dedicate years and I mean, uh, it, it takes a tremendous amount of engagement of yourself to, to discover um, what it is. It's one thing to put it on paper. It's another thing to incorporate into your being and another thing to really apply your mind to it. Um, and so um, it, it needs further rocket fuel on your journey. So just keep on going, keep 
discovering, keep opening up new pathways and doorways to it. And uh, I think what we have to do is always try and refine our own life practices. Um, so, um, so let's say, um, whether it be uh, like, for, for example, diet is such a classic one that um, we should investigate what the yogic diet is and then apply that as best we can to our, in our own lives and to, um, and to what we teach others in classes. We're so much more effective when we've, when we've realized something than when we've heard it from something. For instance, when you, when you watch someone teach a yoga asana to someone, then it's passive experience. But after you've taught it to someone and you've gotten success and you're able to help them move into the pose, then you're emboldened and they're emboldened because you were able to help someone else advance. And you kind of explored, you experimented, you applied your mind and you got success with it. And same thing with, um, uh, there's a, a, a lot of yoga practices that happen off the mat that are gonna happen in your home. You know, explore with, um, whatever traditional forms of entertainment you have had in the past, try new endeavors, uh, uh, like a, a night of perhaps uh, mm, of, uh, of what they call, um, let's see, silent, you know, um, um, an evening of silence, the monrat, monrat, mon in uh, a vow of silence, it means in Sanskrit. So there's lots of ways that we can pass our evenings as opposed to going out drinking, uh, hosting a wine party, uh, going out to the movies. There's a lot of things that we can do, such as um, maybe an evening at home with other family members or not, a vow of silence, or um, going through uh, stories of, uh, or, going, or, or reading a chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, or there's a lot, we have to, be ready to open ourselves to further pursuits and to and to be ready to change our ways of the past and um, take on mm, new new endeavors. And so that will help us in uh, in becoming like embodying yogic principles that we wish to convey. Just like when you teach the asan, when it, for example, when you when you change your diet, then there's inherent struggles to that. That's not an easy thing to do. But by going through those struggles, you learn, and you'll be far more empathetic for someone who 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 also goes through those struggles, and you'll also have the wisdom to how to get through on the other side. And that makes you a much more dynamic teacher than to say, "Oh well, the yoga diet is a plant-based diet, or it's or or it advocates these foods. I don't really do it, but." Um, but, you know, the, this would be the, the approach. If you've tried it and you've experiment, experimented with it, then that will help a lot in having you become a medium for teachers' yogic ideals, which is what all people are looking for. One thing, and one thing is don't come into it with, a, with an inferiority complex that you're not good enough to teach either. You are good enough. The fact that you are interested means that you uh, have something to share in the field and you will grow with it. So. Um, it's finding that happy medium of don't coming in over the top as a know-it-all and don't come in and underneath and sell yourself short. Come in with who you are, share your strengths, and be ever ready to learn more at the same time because there's no shortage of things to learn. 
there's a lot to learn. We're always constantly growing. And um, the moment we stop, we don't look to learn, we won't learn. And um, so we, we always have to do that. Um, and the other thing is, um, the people don't speak as highly of other guides in their life as they do of the yoga teacher. I've met so many people say, I love my yoga teacher. I love, oh, I, they, no one speaks of their accountant the same way. Oh, my accountant is just fabulous. I just love him. <laughs> no one speaks of their accountant like that. What they do of their yoga teacher. So, so if you're a new teacher, know this, that people go into class wanting to like you. You're coming in from a favorable situation. And the more you're truthful and authentic and you um, just be an honest broker. If you don't know something, say, you know, I don't know it, you know, but I'm, I'm also looking to learn and, and I, I will get it. Um, you know, don't fake the Sanskrit pronunciation. So one of your students may know it. And if you fake it, it's just doubly bad. One, you faked it. And two, they understood that was a fake. So, I mean, be really honest. I mean, one of the great things I learned in, uh, I went to graduate school in education and um, <laughs> for an adult, an adult, uh, in an adult learning class, I had to facilitate uh, a class. So I, I broke up the class into, into teachers and students and I made them all, I made everybody in the class teach something to everybody and I taught it on last night's reading. Half the people in the class didn't even do last night's reading. And, uh, and one of them had to do it on a, uh, some type of military campaign. And he was supposed to be the teacher. And one of his students was like a military guy, a military historian who was, in, who was also a fellow student in the class. So what I'm getting at is that when you're teaching other adults, you're going to find people in the class who have really awesome skill sets just because they're adults. And they've done training. They've done, they may know literature. They may know music. They know, may know a lot. So, um, so respect them as learners and as also very skilled and experienced people and also bring what you have and just be, be an open broker with it. Be very forthcoming with what you know, what you don't know. And um, if you need to study more about a topic that came in, say, hey, you know, that's good. I've got a few ideas on that, but you know what? Let me read up on it more and give you a better answer tomorrow rather than to do it, to wing it off the cuff and to, um, you know, kind of get short with uh, with your britches down. You you don't want to do it that way. Just you know, be be truthful. Be truthful to who you are. Mm -hmm. And that always went over students. And um, and and again, they want they're on your side. Most of the students want to uh, really like their yoga teacher. So it's it's very favorable. Uh, it's a very favorable relationship to start. Um, I want to back up to because I know our. I know this topic is I'm already a yoga teacher now what but we do have a comment from Anne saying she's not a teacher but she's always ready to spring forward so I do want to just kind of put it out there so I'm like why does someone want to go become a yoga teacher like I know for me it was a spiritual decision um but what I found out when I went was there was this beautiful gift of understanding asana and really what it is and how to do it correctly. And so that was like a huge uh, win for me because I didn't even think about that going into it was like learning that. I mean, I really didn't. I was thinking I was going in to learn, you know, this spiritual space um, because of my background. And so I do want to just throw it out there like, you know, what are some of the reasons to become a yoga teacher for some of these folks watching who 
haven't even gone the done it yet, gone through training yet. Yeah. Um, good. Let's let's break it on down. Let's go into um, the first one. Um, finance. If you're going into yoga teacher for money, you're knocking on the wrong door. <laughs> Don't do it. So true. You you can hardly raise a family doing it. Very few people you know make the mega bucks because they've got sponsorships and. But it's 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 so don't do it for money. It, it, it's not. There's so many other jobs you can do that you make fivefold the money. So don't do it for the money. It's not. It's really not there. Um, there's way too many. There's a lot of teachers at the. So two, don't do it to open up your own studio. You opening up your own studio is like opening up a restaurant. You become married to it. You'll be there a hundred hours a week, and more often than not, the studio is shut down. That's also another thing. So um, there are a lot of successful studios. There are a lot of people who are successful making money at it. But if you do it at those two things, more often than not, you're going to fail than succeed. And this, it's not, a, it's, and you, the pressure is all wrong. The pressure is all wrong. To do it for your bank account, it, it'll just make you mad at the field of yoga. It's not going to work out. So then what are the ways to do it? One, a lot of people could do it just for continuing education. I'd say more people than not who go to yoga teacher training do it just to expand their own basic knowledge. They have no desire to teach a class. They're not going to open a studio. They just thought, well, this is as good a path as any to uh, bulk, uh, bulk up my background. And, um, and I think it's a great way. Why not? Um, another way to do it is to take a lot of, uh, to, to attend seminars, uh, and, um, and to, uh, enhance your background that way. Um, one, uh, another thing to do would be to, uh, go to a retreat or an ashram for a week. That would also satisfy. Um, so in terms of continuing education, uh, going to yoga teacher training is one way. Yoga teacher training itself is not cheap these days. They can, that's where, you know, you can pay um, thousands of dollars for that or more, six, eight. I, I'm not sure what the going rates are, but you, that can also be be costly. Um, another way is just to approach your yoga teacher and say, hey, what are some things I can do outside class? What are some readings? What are some life practices? Um, and... Uh, one thing I try and do with students each month is present a monthly challenge and some of them are more successful than others, but it's a way for people to apply themselves to a particular field, whether it be a lifestyle. Uh, sometimes we do it for plank challenge just to, to enhance our strength, but like this month's monthly challenge in, in for Renaissance yoga is um, uh, attachment challenge to get to uh, what we'd call um just to take a review and to um, get rid of uh, any attachments. Mo, M-O-H-A in Sanskrit means attachment. It's very binding. What are limiting factors that we've gotten glued up with in life, either because of uh, indoctrination that we've gone through because of the family we've grown up in or the school we've attended or just bad habits we gained along the way and to let go of those things. Um, but there's a lot that can be done outside the classroom in yoga. So you can always talk to your teacher and say, hey, what are some things that can be done there. Um, and then there's people who want who go to yoga teacher training because they want to start teaching uh, once a week in addition to their main primary career. That's also fine. That's all legitimate. All I would say is for whatever reason you want to do it, 
Do it for your own personal growth and for those who you have to be conveying the knowledge towards. And, and then it'll, uh, it'll come out in a nice way. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure there's other reasons why people go for training. Um, but, but I think that covers some of the, some, some of the bulk of it. Um, mm -hmm. Major, um, some of the broader uh, elements. Um, yeah. Then, um, so now that we kind of broached into it, let's say you are a teacher and um, you're teaching the, the asans, yoga, yoga postures. And well, how do I start bringing in things that we know are beyond the mat that people don't want to come into a full class for, but how do I bring those elements in? Um, a lot of times after class, I'll give a one or two minute talk, especially if it's when we're on site. Sometimes I don't always do it with um, when, when we're teaching uh, online. Uh, but one thing is just to pick a new Sanskrit word for you, whatever it is, and try and get the pronunciation proper if you can. Sanskrit pronunciation is extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult for the Western tongue. Whatever it is, don't fake it. Say I, what I understand this is the pronunciation is, um, but be uh, be don't don't because whatever the Roman letters are for it, the ABCs, those ABCs do not properly convey the real phonetic pronunciation. So um, try and find out what if you can if there's some uh, sometimes there are online places that have the uh, right pronunciation with the audio file. But what I mean to say is bring in elements and use the time at uh, the five minutes time after shavasan to give a talk on something that brings in things off the mat what is the yogic concept of um spirituality what is the yogic concept of or fasting or diet or anything and or any sanskrit word there's so many words that get used what is the real meaning of mantra what does dharma mean there's lots of meanings of dharma how 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 does that apply so Find out a word, study it yourself. That by studying it yourself, then you will uh, grow your background. That will become part of what you've got in, at your disposal. And then as soon as you study something, then if you teach it right away, all of a sudden you're forced to have a better understanding because you can convey it to something else. The um, A common thing with education, if you ever want to learn anything, become a teacher of that thing. Teach it teach it. You want to learn CPR, teach it. You'll, you'll get really good at it. But uh, going to one CPR class, we all know what happens to that kind of, you, know, you forget the reps, you forget the, the rhythm of it. But, um, but so as a yoga teacher, use your time as a teacher to embolden your own background by bringing in concepts uh, you might not be that familiar with and become familiar with it and teach it to someone else, teach it to your students. Um, you know, find a section from the Bhagavad Gita that appeals to you and, and, and find that story and tell that story after class. Um, and those were ways to broaden our knowledge base. So for a while I was teaching, I must have had two or three or four or five hundred stories. I don't know. I had a whole notebook of stories and was just for years. I would uh, just tell a different story after every class and and then apply it to yogic principles. And um, people remembered the stories. It had a positive impact. So I think storytelling is a way, but that was that was something that appealed to me. Other people can do it with music, use music, um, but uh, but bring in elements. And I would say the main thing is help 
people to refine their lives. That is what yoga is all about. Refinement, 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 refinement. And as a yoga teacher, don't get caught up. Constantly refine your life. Refine your life practices. Um, experiment with a raw foods diet or, or partial raw foods for a few meals a week. Or um, I say diet comes up because that's such a dynamic thing. There's so much room for improvement in the traditional American diet. And, um, and there's a lot of really positive experimentation. And the good thing about diet, you get the benefit immediately. As soon as you start eating and you start changing it, then you, you get that benefit. Um, so think of when you come into the field of yoga, think of it as an open sky because yoga is related with actually all aspects of life. It isn't just a yoga practice. And if you think it is just a yoga practice on the mat, then you're in for a big surprise because it's a lot more than that. So open up all the doors, you know, and if you don't know, start reaching out to people, write to people, you write, write to me. I, I love to get queries about yoga. Um, how do I, how does yoga and art, how do the two relate? There's a lot that can be done with it. Um, so, uh, so we really want to um, just be open to, um, applying the principles of yoga in different aspects of life. I think that's one really key point. And we find everyone wants a new life set. A, a new, even if you teach someone uh, something new they could eat for breakfast in the morning, that's positive. That's a very, very positive thing. And people are looking for new love practices. So I'd say that one, uh, that, that's a good way to also to enhance people to bring yoga in, uh, off the mat. One other thing is, um, Come into it with the spirit of sacrifice of um, what, how can I learn that? How can, how can I learn more and, um, and be open to experimentation. Um, and yeah, I think that's a, um, there's a fine line of, um, of remembering what we of what we've learned in the past and being uh, having the courage and confidence to try something new and and do that and and it's okay not to be uh, not to be an expert on like, anything with yogic spirituality where you take on universal tenets. This is a whole nother field that needs to be explored and needs to be portrayed. And it needs to be done into the yoga class and in our own lives. Um, people are looking for, for that dimension of what is it that, um, that how, what is it, what is it, what does spirituality mean? How do we get there from our own unit platform? Uh, how, so there's there's a there's a lot to be done if we're open to it. There's a lot that we can learn and express and, and share with students. Um, and I one thing I would be careful of is um, with yoga and religion that just be careful of, of where that um, of that of that cross that intersection. Anyone from any background. Um, Anyone who's, uh, whatever faith you're from, everyone is welcome to come into the yogic tradition and to, uh, and to practice. And I would say um, that, oh, bless you there. Good, or the silent sneeze. 
Thank uh, you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to um, the yoga with Christianity, like Christian yoga has become an element. And um, it's, and so, and for, and another person wrote a book on yoga body, Buddha mind, which is also okay. But if you're a yoga teacher, remember, find out what the yoga teachings are on those, on those topics. And so that, that's an important element. If, um, for instance, the teacher who wrote the yoga, the book on yoga body, Buddha mind, it makes it look like the yogis have nothing to say about mind, that the only yoga is only physical. And um, there's a lot of beautiful things of interwoven between yogic thought and Buddhist, Buddhist thought, and that's all well and good. But um, we also have to explore what yoga has to offer. So if you're coming into it from a yoga teacher, then, then your duty is to find out what it is, what is the yoga teaching on, on those pathways. And then bring and then having other outsized um, experts come in or uh, um, aspects of stories from other traditions. That's all well and good, but know what the yoga yogic uh, principles are in that. Um, and so now we've kind of covered a gamut of things. Um, are there any questions that have come in, or do we have? Let me, there's a few other things here that I have. Um, yeah, definitely for everybody out there that has questions, throw them in the chat box. We'd love to hear from you. And um, <clears throat> Satya, my question for you is, why did you decide to become a yoga teacher? Right. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. What happened? I want to um, hear your story <laughs> while we're waiting for questions. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, just with my, uh, I was, um, I initially became, I was just looking for a way to live on this planet. And, um, and that's how I spent my 20s and early 30s. And then um, the opportunity came in to teach and I didn't want to. And they said, you have to. And I kind of did it that way. It was very, very short, boring story. Um, and I was horrible at the beginning. I was absolutely a terrible yoga teacher. Um, uh, because I, I, first of all, I didn't know what they were teaching. They were teaching uh, yoga asans, and I was familiar with the asans, but I was far more familiar with yoga spirituality, yogic meditation, yoga lifestyle. That's what I've been doing for 15, 18 years. And to teach a class, uh, you know, a, a flawless flow type of class, left and rights and this thing and that thing, I figured I could get good at, but I wasn't no natural at the beginning. And let that be a lesson for any yoga teacher that, um, everybody comes into it with their own strengths and um, you don't have to uh, pattern your class after what the next door is, you know, what, what you see on YouTube, or what other people are doing. Um, uh, and I don't think the book's been written on what a, what a good yoga class is either at this point. Um, it should combine some type of physical element. It should combine some type of... Uh, Breathing, learn the yogic aspects of breathing and practice it on your own and make breathing something that is totally alive and that can really re. When you take a breath, you should be able to change your whole psychic domain. It needs that type of discipline practice outside of class. Um, and 
so the more we can make the yogic teachings our own, that's the main thing, that the more we can apply ourselves to those principles and become a living embodiment of those principles, then that's definitely the winning ticket. Mm -hmm. And then we don't need to bring in other things. We become, there's plenty of, to, plenty of teach within yoga. I, and at the beginning of the class, I was, at the beginning of this lecture, I was saying, okay, if you, have, if you have your music, if you have different things to bring in and do that. But also the field of yoga is vast and learn those things. And um, breathing itself, you can dumb it down to a two-step preschool lesson that no adult wants to do and sit down and learn. Or you can make it something where you have really experienced how breath and mind coincide, where the wavelengths of mind change, where the mind is ready to go beyond its unit self and slip out of the egotistic trap of ego. Um, and when you've discovered that type of space or you've applied that if you've, or you've challenged yourself to learn that, then you're going to be able to talk about breathing um, every day, all day, and it'll never get boring because each and every breath is dynamic because it's not just an external skill, but it's something that's a part of you and that you can convey something and you'll always feel inspired um, to teach that point. So um, the more we can inculcate those teachings and um, that that's the, that's a great, that's a, People and people recognize that as well, but that's um, that I think that's a key to, and it's a key for teaching anything. The more people feel that you are that, that you're the living embodiment of that, not not in a state of perfection or all knowingness or some great thing, but that you try your earnest best to uh, to to uh, to emulate that and to to uh, embody that. Um, and then whatever shortcomings we have and failings we have, so be it. And we're always working on those. That's that's a given. Yeah, well, and I think it's important, too, to just really take the alchemy of the students that you're with in a yoga teacher training, because everyone does come from a different space. And I know in my my experience with yoga teacher training, um, we had some real athletes in the yoga teacher training who were really focused on the physical aspect. And when we got to jamas and niyamas and, and meditation and some of these other things, they were they were struggling. It was hard. And then for someone like me, and there was a few of us in there where that was our life. Like, you know, talking about, you know, living in in a a space of authenticity and compassion and generating, you know, Bodhicitta and all these things. We were we were in that space already and had a meditation practice. And so um, whereas when I was trying to do, you know, downward dog, I was struggling physically. And so we all helped each other, is my point. And so I think, you know, it's really important, I think, to take from each other because I learned from some of the athletic students that were in my group. Um, how to do some things I never thought I would do. I did a handstand, never thought I would do it because they understood how the body worked. And then I was able to help them when it came to breathing and meditation and, and understanding what brahmacharya was. Like I was able to share my own experiences with them. So I think, you know, getting the most out of the teacher training itself is, is really valuable because it is going to help you with where to go afterwards. Because I know that some of us that were in that class, some of the athletics 
folks were just looking to add something to their repertoire as a personal trainer, as a fitness teacher. And they walked out of there with like completely different dietary ideas, completely different ways of living. And, you know, for somebody like me, I walked out of there understanding that my body could do things differently. And so I just think it's important to note, like part of your yoga journey as a yoga teacher is to take from your colleagues, the other students, and acknowledging what everyone has to bring. Because it's like one big stew pot of stuff usually when you go to a training, I think. Yeah, no, that's so well put. Um, um, I mean, a lot of people learn more from their uh, peers than they do from their teachers. It's, it's, mm -hmm. That's a common known point. And also, congratulations to those guys who are athletic and picked up other new, new aspects. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the yogis say that uh, yeah, you, sometimes you're in the role of teacher, and a lot of times we're, we're students and students of life. And the more we harness the idea that I know not, then there's space in the mind to, to incorporate new ideas. And, yeah. and that's really wonderful. And so even when we all come into something from a particular uh, uh, idea or understanding or wanting to learn something, and if we, uh, you know, that we always want to have space in the mind that we can learn um, other aspects as well. Now, that, that's what very well put um, about you know, the, this melange of things that you will be exposed to in the teacher training and for that matter in the field of yoga. And um, well, and you're reminding me now, I can't think of the Sanskrit word, but you might know it. Um, but, um, you know, studentship, like being a really good student, you know, there's, there is a Sanskrit word for it, but it's this idea of really, you know, like you're saying, like, you don't know everything. Going, going into your, your training and even your own classes with sort of this humility of, I don't know everything and we're all learning together and, and really being a good student can make you a really good teacher because the more we learn, the more we don't know. And I think as teachers, um, no matter what we're teaching, going into it with kind of this openness of, you know, somebody still may teach you something in your class that's a student that you didn't even know. Yeah, no, and and, and this is going to happen. This is the thing with yoga te teacher. You know, you're not teaching ten year olds. You're teaching 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 year olds. They have a lot of life experience. Give maximum respect to your students. Don't. I mean, they may not know certain things about yoga, but they're going to know a lot of things that you don't know, and that'll help the student. The, the quote unquote student teacher relationship. Um, I don't come up, I don't have the Sanskrit word you're talking about in terms of student, but um, but disciple comes to mind. And disciple means discipline, to, to approach it to the discipline, to mold your mind to that discipline. And yoga is a series of disciplines. And, um, and the more we're able to apply ourselves to that, then the better off we are. Um, and a, a, a lot of teacher, a lot of people come out of teacher training with the ability to teach a class, but and a, a little bit, a little bit of exposure to yogic thought, yogic philosophy, yogic lifestyle. But it's not like they're. But those were not necessarily embedded into you. It's not going to happen when you go uh, for a weekend, um, eight, you know, um, one weekend a month for eight months or. So there's a lot of there's a lot of self discovery that needs to happen, 
and um, and there's a lot of scope to bring that in. So uh, as teachers, always remember that what's next thing on what's the next thing on my roadmap to learn and the more you bring into your roadmap then naturally the more you'll have to share you'll be a walking wealth of information for your students and you'll be able to do far more than uh to just a lead a yoga class when someone asks you a question that's related with yogic thought yoga philosophy yoga lifestyle or certain life scenarios you're not just going to give a bogus answer you're going to give a wealth of information because of you've applied yourself you've struggled with it and maybe you're still working out how to become that um but you'll be it'll be so much uh you, you'll have so much more to share it'll be a very colorful answer rather than you know uh, the back of a cardboard uh cereal box answer about um yogic philosophy because well we didn't really cover that one and yogic philosophy is just like this is the one thing the yogic philosophy is just well it's what you think it's but yogic philosophy is well triangulated and no one no one would if someone said hey what type of frog is that and you wouldn't say Oh well, that's a red black spotted porcupine frog. You know, no one would come. No one would, because they know that the Western world has nicely triangulated. All the species have names, and if you just give it up and you just you just kind of fake it, you're going to get caught on it. But yogic philosophy is not known in the West, and so uh, what I see a lot of happening is people just whatever comes in their mind and just saying that. And that doesn't cut it. If you want to give a yogic teaching, know the yogic teaching, learn the yogic teaching, go slow with it. Figure out um, what what does, um, start with the basics. Start with um, Ashtang Yoga. What does Dharna mean? What, what, do, what do the 10 points of Jama and Niyama mean? Learn one of those each by one. You may not learn all 10, but learn or at, well, all, all 10 at once, but learn one learn the ins and outs of it, teach that thing, apply it in your life, and then move on to the next one. It's far better to know one thing and have applied it and become uh, properly knowledgeable about than to um, just kind of have a half-baked knowledge of it. So um, yoga philosophy is known. And someone I saw on a podcast once said, well, only 10% of yoga is known and the other 90% is not known. So we can kind of just wing it. And why should I be held accountable for it? And I felt that was the biggest problem because there are, there are people out there who do know. Don't think there aren't people who don't know. They do. And you'll get nabbed on it. And it's all on video. And in due course, people will go back and they'll see who was right and who wasn't right. And you'll live. That will be your le legacy. So don't think that because 90% don't know, I can just say what I want, or I can just bring in all my bad habits, or I can retox and detox, so I can do whatever I want. It's not that way. There, there is a method for it. There is a rhyme to it. And yogic thought is very well triangulated. And we learn little by little. There's a lot. And I would say, if someone doesn't know yogic philosophy, Go through Jama Niyama because there's a lot of websites and books and all sorts of things, and there's a lot of cross discussion. And if you learn, if you read three different, um, if you go through three different renditions of it, you'll get a basic idea, a true example. There might be some uh, def some mixes and matches here and there, but but you'll get the basic idea and start with that and get those two, get those ten under your belt, firmly under your belt. Learn what they are, and then you'll be able to 
get that, well, okay, how does that apply to Ashtang Yoga? And then get that, that branch in, that umbrella in. And then how does Ashtang Yoga relate to the greater body of yogic spirituality? And what aspects of the Bhagavad Gita are yogic and what are based on Hinduism? And I mean, it's, what I mean to say is build small, get it down. Don't confuse yourself with trying to chase after a thousand ideas at once. And don't get misconceived into thinking that nobody knows yogic spirituality. There are people out there who know it and they know it well. So, but if you learn a little bit and branch out little by little, that will serve you well. And that's how we all learn. The other great way to learn is to record it. And then when you're doing little things around the house, wear it and wear it, put it in your earphones. And when you're doing, uh, this is how I learned yogic philosophy. Uh, we had tapes, we had tapes from teachers in India. Uh, we were going question and answer. We, we developed a huge repertoire, hundreds and hundreds of hours of tapes. And that's what we listened to. That was our radio station. When I was driving, when I was washing dishes, when I was doing my laundry, when I was doing anything, I was listening to those things. And it really went inside the mind. It was extremely helpful to incorporating that so that when we spoke, we were reflecting those ideas and not, um, not some other teaching. So everybody has the capacity to learn, start small, build your base, and, and you'll connect idea to idea uh, and then teach those to others. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, we don't have any questions. I, I'd love for you to share because you obviously teach and you also do satsang and, and, and teach outside of just asanas. So um, share with everybody how they can find you and what you have upcoming that they can connect in with. Oh, sure. Um, uh, they can find me at Renaissance Yoga, um, Ren Yoga. If you don't know spell how to spell Renaissance, Ren Yoga, R-E-N-Y-O-G-A. Um, com, uh, and on most of a lot of social media platforms, you can find me there. And um, I do relish queries, so uh, write me. I'll, I'll get back to you. And um, and I do, I do. Uh, anyone who has an open interest in learning more, um, then uh, I always make time for that, and I'll write you back. Um, and upcoming things, gosh, I don't have a whole lot of. I have a few things here and there, but. Uh, um, write me and I'll, we'll figure out what your interests are and uh, we'll, we'll get something for you. I love it. Anyway. Well, this is like a juicy topic because I think a lot of us have gone through, a lot of people go through yoga teacher training and then don't know what to do, you know, and I, I felt really blessed to be guided in the direction I wanted to go. But I think if I hadn't have been, I don't know that I'd know, you know, what to focus on or where to go. And so I think a lot of folks are looking for that direction. So I really appreciate you talking about this today, Sayam, because I think it's important. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it's an interesting topic. And, um, I, you know, I think that if, um, if folks are able to uh, narrow down their interests and um, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot out there and people should feel like they have, an, there's an open scope and there's tremendous, the field of yoga is going to expand. It's not going to, to uh, minimize. It's going to go into colleges. It's going to go into high schools. It's going into go into counseling experiences. It's going to go into medical therapies. So um, just go into it and jump all in and, and you'll find your niche. Um, and I think, uh, I think Lisa, you're coming back here, but um, with, uh, with the field of yoga, it is an expansive model. You can see it coming into um, 
medical therapies. You can see the cross section between yoga and physical therapy. You can see this the cross section with yoga and uh, potential um, different treatments and different forms of treatment, um, whether it be water therapy, naturopathy, homeopathy. Um, and so the, the field of yoga is going to expand, it will grow, and people should be ready for that. It, it's a, it's a, the field is ripe for that, so um, it, it's a great opportunity. And uh, one, one thing I, well, I think Lisa locked herself out here, so I'm just here broadcasting. Um, one aspect, one, one story I'd like to share that, um, that people should, you, should, you have to feel confident with what you're doing with it. And uh, there's one story that came to mind that uh, one time there was a community that they were having uh, difficulties with a, uh, with a local snake. And a, um, so when, a, when a, the local yogi came through, they would come through from time to time from the ashrams, from their, uh, from their abodes, and they'd check in on what the villagers were doing and what was going on. And they'd say, how are the crops? How are the education system? How's everything going? They'd say, yes, yes, everything's going well. And they said, oh, but we, uh, yogi, we do have one problem. He said, what's that? He said, we have this snake that uh, is chasing down all the students and all, all the children and scaring the children. Can you go and calm that snake down? Can you talk to that snake? So the yogi went over and he found that snake in the, in, in the hole in his, and he waited outside and the snake came out and the snake had a look of terror on it and ready to attack. And the yogi just did a little bit of meditation and the snake kind of relaxed a little bit. And then they had a heart to heart. And what had been going on is that the snake was chasing students all over the place and all the young children of the neighborhood. And, and the yogi said, look, you need to uh, chill out snake. You need to learn a little bit. You need to take on some meditative qualities. So he taught the snake some yoga, some meditation, some pranayama. And the snake was like, perfect. Perfect for me. I love this. And so, uh, so the snake, the snake did those practices. And the next time the students would go by, the young children would go by the snake hole, they would tempt the snake and the snake wasn't coming out and chasing them anymore. So they got more and more courageous and they began taking the snake and throwing it down and catching the snake and winging it around in circles and doing all sorts of stuff. And um, the snake was taking a beating. And uh, uh, a few months later, the yogi came through the community. And, uh, and he said to the, he said, how's everything going? He said, how are the, how are the crops? How's the education system? How's all the Family's doing, and he said, he said, very good, very good, Yogi. Everything's going fine. And what about that snake? What happened with the snake? And they said, whatever you told that snake, that worked out beautifully. That snake doesn't bother anyone anymore. And Yogi got very happy that it worked so well. And then he went over and went to uh, the snake hole. And he asked the snake, 
and the snake appeared and the snake was totally tattered on its deathbed and almost destroyed. And the yogi was aghast. He said, what happened to you? What happened to you? And the yogi and the snake said, well, you taught me some meditation. You taught me to relax. You taught me all these spiritual techniques. And I did those things. I became relaxed. And this children were throwing me and whipping me down. And I lost my food. I lost my home. I, they nearly broke my spine. And the yogi said, oof, I taught you those things so that you would stop exploiting and scaring the children. But it did not mean that you should stop being a snake. You should remember your dharma in this world. So you be a snake. You protect yourself, but don't attack them unnecessarily. So then the next day when the children came up and other people came up to the snake hole, then the snake stood up and the children stood back. And the snake, then there was a very comfortable balance between the two. The snake stopped chasing the children and terrorizing them all over the neighborhood. And the children also knew to keep their safe distance from uh, the snake. And there was a natural, comfortable respect in life. And here it is that we're going into the world as teachers, as yoga teachers, as trainers, as practitioners, that we should protect our boundaries, but we should also uh, have full respect for those around us. So um, sometimes, you know, when you're teaching, you want to please everyone. You can't please everyone. You have to stand up for the ideals that you're teaching. You cannot please everyone uh, with your answers. You have to represent the yogic ideal and take it or leave it from there, but you be respectful, be kind, be loving, be comparing, be com caring and compassionate with your, with your teachings. Um, but, um, but don't lose your teachings in the process. Don't forget you're a yoga teacher. You're not teaching anything else. And just like, like the snake, remember it's a snake. We should remember your, our yoga teachers. We should remember our discipline and we should take that into the world as best we can and help others progress and, and, uh, share those teachings accordingly. Okay. I'm going to close out this. I don't know if we're still broadcasting here, but I'll close out here. Thanks everyone for listening and, um, look forward to hearing from you and talking more. Namaskar.